Hello, and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma, and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today, I'm going to be talking about The Family You Make by Jill Chavez. So is this a romance? Is this a chiclet? Um, I don't know. Uh, let's see. It doesn't say, I'm not sure what I'm trying to, like, is the genre going to be listed inside the book? No, it's not. Should I Google it? I think I should Google it. Okay, give me a sec. My quick Google search did not yield true results. So is this a romance novel? Is this a contemporary fiction with a strong romance tilt? Is this chiclet? Although I think chiclet is like going away as a term that is used. Although TBH about like four-ish years ago when I was like super into Wattpad, that was the best hashtag to like search for and like filter if I was looking for something to read on Wattpad. So, I mean, there's a pro tip, but now everything is like you have to pay for it. So like, I don't use it anymore. However, also I don't think people use chiclet because like the word chicken, is it like, um, so I think it's not like women's fiction. I don't know. Anyways, what is the genre of this book? Unclear. A contemporary with a heavy romance tilt, I think is what I'd probably go for. What is the plot, you might ask? It's fake dating, okay? Who doesn't love fake dating? I just did the episode that was released the week that I'm recording this was my well-matched episode, which it's now probably almost a month since that dropped, but that was also fake dating. I enjoy fake dating and I will talk about that later. Anyways, though, so basically what happens is that the main characters, Jane and Levi, have a near-death experience. Levi calls his mom to say goodbye, but instead of saying goodbye, says that he has this girlfriend and he's really happy. And then the mom wants to meet him when they don't die. And so he convinces Jane to be his fake girlfriend. However, what's interesting is how it plays out because it doesn't play out how a typical fake dating situation usually does, which I enjoyed a lot. So that is what I'll be talking about this week. You might remember that, or you may or may not know, that last summer I read my first Jill Chavez book, Love for Beginners, and I think the episode of that, ti- the title of that episode I think is like the perfect poolside re- read or something like that. I really enjoyed it, and then when I saw the cover and the theme and like the idea behind this book, I was like, yo, your girl has to have it. So this was a Christmas present I bought myself. Um, I used a gift card and I purchased this book and it was, I I even pre-ordered it. That's how excited I was. And this is also the last book that I am going to read slash have read in my winter seasonal reading. Because if you look at the cover, um, which you should go check out my Instagram to see it at I read a book once blog, it has snow and winter, and I'm going to talk about the cover during the discussion section as well because there was some interesting stuff, but it's really cute, and um, it also, like, takes place in Lake Tahoe during the middle of winter, but, like, post-Christmas, so probably January, maybe February, and, like, snow is, like, a really important part, and so I was like, I gotta read this during winter. Ironically, it's like almost 60 degrees here today as I'm recording, so it doesn't feel like winter anymore. So I probably should have read it a little bit sooner than I did. However, I still read it in February, even though you're hearing this well into March. 
And so I had a good time being a winter seasonal reader. Apparently the most seasonal I get is reading books about winter during winter. So I've been like just giving you a lot of like background stuff like this. I think we should get into the story, but first I must write down something I thought of. Okay, so before we get into it, two things. I first must issue a spoiler warning. If you don't want The Family You Make by Jill Chavez to be spoiled, stop here, go read the book. I would definitely recommend it. I enjoyed this one a lot. And then come back and listen to this episode. Uh, Also, I'm issuing like a very vague trigger warning. One of the characters, like her backstory is she was like sexually assaulted. She was like drugged and then sexually something happened but she can't remember any of it and that's like a big part of her character arc and she tells the story but it's like kind of vaguely described so i just want to talk about i just want to provide that warning here if that is something triggering for you i'll probably mention this and then talk vaguely about that like how that has affected her but not talk about the actual instance if that makes sense so that you are all aware Without further ado, let's get into the plot summary. I've been talking a lot here in the beginning, and I think I can probably do a very condensed version of this plot summary because I think I'm just going to give you guys the highlights. So like I said, this opens up and Levi has gone, he wants to go skiing and it was like perfectly fine weather when he gets there. He gets into the, um, the little, the, the ski lift. What is, what is that called? the gondola he's in the ski gondola so it's like all enclosed and stuff like that and it's taking him up the mountain but as he's going up the mountain the weather takes a turn for the worst so he can't go down the mountain and they're sending in jane to go back down with the gondola with him and then the the worker guy's going down on his snowmobile so the two of them get into the gondola and they're on their way down the weather's bad the thing is rocking and it's like kind of concerning And then the gondola in front of them drops, like, I don't know, like hundreds of feet and crashes into the earth. And then the the track stops and the two of them are really scared that they're going to die, obviously. And so um, they're kind of talking. And then at one point it rocks and this like uh, coat rack thing, I don't know, it falls and Levi pushes Jane out of the way so she doesn't get hurt, but he gets hit in the head and then uh, they really think they're going to die, like truly. And so Jane's cell phone is dead and Levi takes his out and hands it to her and is like, here you go. Do you want to make a call? And she says she has no one to call. So Levi calls his mom, like I said earlier, and he's like, it's to say goodbye. How horrible. Can you imagine if you had to do that? And instead lies and because his mom hears Jane in the background and says do you have this girlfriend so he lies and says he does and that he's happy and all this different stuff but they don't end up dying they do both end up going to the hospital for their various injuries when they get down the mountain and Levi's family comes he's got his parents his older sister who's about 10 years older than him and then a niece who I think is six and they all come and they want to meet Jane but Jane's obviously not his girlfriend and she's left the hospital because she wasn't as injured. And Levi's living in, I think, San Francisco, but he does data analysis 
and he's kind of his own boss. So they're like, you can't go back. You have to stay here until your concussion's gone, whatever. And his parents, his mom says, I want to meet Jane. You have to bring her to our 40th wedding anniversary dinner. Weirdly, their 40th wedding anniversary dinner. Is it 40? That would be old. Maybe only 30. I can't remember. But their anniversary dinner, does it say on the back? No, it doesn't say. I'd have to look. But their wedding anniversary dinner. Weirdly, later on when we get to it, it's just like the immediate family, which I think is odd because when my grandparents had their 40th and 50th, it was like extended families all coming and their friends and like all of that. So I don't, that's kind of odd now that I'm thinking about it. And Levi doesn't really know what to say, whatever. He had like originally left because his family was stifling him and he used to have this girlfriend named Amy who ends up being the sister of his former best friend, Mateo, who comes into the story later and they almost got engaged but he wasn't ready to get married and then she like dies from some sort of like brain cancer or like she just like dies unexpectedly young from cancer or something like that and so then after all that he leaves and he's now back after three or so years and jane's backstory is that when she was a child her like parents got pregnant really young couldn't really take care of her and she was passed around from family member to family member and so her whole all her trauma stems from like not being wanted always being asked to leave so now she is a traveling nurse so during the ski season she is based in lake tahoe her best friend charlotte lives there and she lives in her house when she's around and also because her grandpa lives in in sunrise cove but for all intents and purposes they're in lake tahoe area and so all of that is going on and so but then during the rest of the year she does basically doctors without borders but she's a nurse so she's like going around to different parts and she's always leaving before she can get left is basically what's going on with her so levi manages to track her down and like is trying to convince her to be his fake girlfriend and she ends up saying yes so they're going to go on this like pretend date whatever Meanwhile, we have a second storyline going on. I guess this is just a Jill Chavez thing that I need to get used to because in Love for Beginners, we also had the second storyline, but Charlotte and Mateo also have a storyline of the two of them having romantic feelings for each other. But Charlotte, which I mentioned with the trigger warning, had a bad experience when she was younger. These two are both doctors and... um so she's very hesitant to get into any sort of romantic relationship because of these hang-ups, which makes sense. Mateo, though, is super into her, and they kind of have, like, they, like, fight a lot, whatever, to, I guess, like, resolve the sexual tension until they end up getting together later in the book. Um, also interesting, Mateo is said to, like, have grown up with Levi and be his best friend, and Levi's, like, we assume he's around 30-ish, like, maybe exactly 30, and we know Charlotte is turning 40, so we do have an age gap that like none of that is like really mentioned at all, but it's kind of interesting thinking about also having just read well matched. Anyway, so Jane and Levi start to get to know each other better and you know, feelings start to happen. They go on some pretend dates and Jane says, yes, I'm going to go to this thing. And then meanwhile, Jane has found her grandfather who she hasn't seen since he was eight. This is going to be a big part of the discussion section because I have lots of feelings Basically, what happened is when she was eight, like during her early childhood, she was living with her grandparents. Her grandma died when she was eight and then her grandpa like couldn't take care of her. And so she went to live with an aunt and then never saw him again. And now it's 20 years later and the best moments of her life were when she was living with her grandparents and now she's found him. And in the middle of the story, he reaches out because he's finally like seen her around town and like 
sends her this like ornament that only he would know the reference to. And so she goes to see him and they kind of like, there's like an argument and then they make up and now he's in her life, whatever. Um, Jane also has this cat, but it's an alley cat, but it's like, oh, is she going to let the cat in the house? And if she does, does that mean she's going to stay? Whatever. And then Levi's family so desperate to meet Jane that they start like all three of them end up meeting her in different ways without telling her who they are. And Levi's having real feelings. They're going on these dates, whatever. Then he does bring Jane to the um, anniversary dinner, which ends up happening near the very end of the book. And Levi's sister has found out because she met Jane under these false pretenses that they're not actually dating. And so they have this dinner and Loki is like very chaotic. Also in the background is Levi's family owns this um, sporting goods store and his sister's husband went, uh, basically stole a bunch of money and then like left. And so Levi's trying to figure that all out and his family like doesn't really understand him or like his job or things like that, which leads to some tension. There's this argument, but they have a really good time, but now their deal is over. So Jane is like, I don't know what's going on. And then her grandpa's acting weird. She's like, you're fine, right? Like, you're not going to have another heart attack, whatever. And she doesn't believe him. So she goes and she, like, is a nurse. So she has access to his patient files, except that's a HIPAA violation. She looks it up and it turns out he has some sort, I think he has, he has some sort of cancer and he elected not to get treatment. So Jane is, like, pretty distraught. And she goes over to Levi's house. He's living with his parents, but Levi has now decided he's not going back to San Francisco and he's put in a bid for land in the area and he's going to stay there because this company can be run from wherever, basically. Also, I should mention that in the middle of the, like near the end of the book around this time, Charlotte and Mateo got together for real. They had sex and then they had like this little argument about Charlotte leaving. But then Mateo was like, I understand that you can't sleep in my bed because she had like woken up after this like rape situation and was in the stranger's bed and didn't know where she was. So he comes and he's like, I can sleep on the floor. And then they end up deciding to date. So good for them. I'll talk about that later. I really glossed over the entire part of their romance, but really all you need to know is Charlotte was very hesitant because of her bad experiences. Mateo was like, very sweet and understanding about the whole thing, but continued to sort of pursue her and be like, I'm here when you're ready. They take some baby steps and then they're eventually ready. That's all you need to know about that. So anyways, Jane goes to Levi's and is like crying and upset about the whole thing. And then Levi's talking to her. And then eventually they get into this argument because she's really upset that her grandpa's chosen not to um, elect to get treatment, basically. But he's old and Levi's like, he might have done this before you came back into his life. Like, you won't know until you talk to him. And then she's like talking about how she's going to leave and like all this different stuff. And Levi's like, you don't have to leave. And then they get in this big argument and basically sort of break up, even though they're not actually dating. I'm going to talk about the argument as well in more depth later in the discussion section, because that's something that really bothered me, because Levi's family is basically like, you messed up. How could you do this? And then Jane goes to see her grandpa, and they talk through the whole thing, and he's like, I made this decision a year ago. I'd rather have three really good months with you than three horrible years being super sick and living in the hospital. And I made this decision when you weren't in my life and I was ready to move on and be reunited with my wife, like stuff like that. So they end up making up and she like comes to understand that. And then Levi ends up showing up at the same time because he's like, I have to get Jane back. 
and then they come together they confess that their feelings are real even though levi has said this to jane throughout jane says i'm not gonna leave i'm gonna stay because throughout the book there's this whole thing she's leaving she's leaving but she doesn't really want to leave because levi um accuses her of like leaving before she can get left which is so true and then they make up and they kiss and they get together and then the epilogue is five years later and they have a daughter and they're happy the end so i said it was going to be short actually you know what i talked for five minutes beforehand and i interjected throughout so i think i'm doing okay so let's get into the discussion section i think we should just like i do start at the ending the begin with the ending whatever i call that segment and talk about this end fight because when i was reading it these like few chapters i was like really annoyed so one thing you have to understand is that this literally happens so i'm not counting the epilogue as a chapter but the fight happens like three chapters before the end of the book so i was wondering what this end conflict was gonna be because all this stuff with her her looking up her grandpa's like files and realizing he has cancer is like literally at the very end of the book there's like 20 pages left what's happening because you think that the conflict is going to be that she's going to try and leave and he's staying and she's running away which is basically what the conflict is about but it happens right at the end so i was like maybe there actually isn't a conflict and they're just gonna like have a discussion and she's gonna decide to stay no there was this conflict and what really bothered me is because, like, the actual fight didn't bother me because I thought it, like, made sense with their characters and how they were feeling and things like that, like, what they were saying. But what bothered me, so the fight is from Jane's perspective. She leaves. The next chapter is from Levi's perspective. And Levi goes downstairs and his family was all, like, low-key listening to their conversation. And they all berate him, like, how could you say those things to Jane? You drove her away. You need to go get her back stuff like that and i'm reading this i i read this chapter i listened to the fight well i didn't listen to it because i read it with my eyes um i read the fight i saw what happened and it wasn't his fault it was not his fault because basically what's going on is jane is like upset and levi's like you should just talk to your grandpa you're not going to know why he made this decision or if he might change his mind now that you're in his life like you need to talk to him about this. Also, low-key what you did was illegal, although we never touch on that, so I have to assume, because the only people that know are Levi and her best friend Charlotte, I have to assume they're not going to report her so she doesn't lose her nursing license. However, I did just read a Western romance. <laughs> it was actually really good by Vivian Arendt, but I can't remember what it was called, and the, like, the act, like, the what spurred the plot forward was the main character she lost her nursing license for like violating HIPAA but anyways um so she, he's like okay yeah and then she's talking about he's there's like this line where he says in the same sentence you're talking about your grandpa you're talking about leaving like you can't just continue and then he basically calls her out for like leaving before she can get left which makes sense because she was left all the time throughout her childhood passed from family member to family member nobody really wanted her i understand that i'm like not personally but i understand like why she does why she's living the life that she lives but like also this could just be because i'm a direct person and i'm going to talk about what's bothering me and if somebody asks me a question I'm going to give them a response I'm not going to talk about my personal life right now 
but I did have a conversation similar to this, but not actually this, but I'm the Levi in the situation. Anyways, so I don't think Levi did anything wrong. Jane is the one who, like, just kind of blew it out of proportion in my mind. I don't know. And so, like, it really bothered me that I get to the next chapter and Levi's whole family is like, what the hell, man? No. He didn't really do anything wrong. And then the chapter after that is from Jane's perspective and she's, like, shown up at her grandpa's and she kind of realizes while she's there that she, A, has, like, she has been leaving to not get left and B, that Levi was right. She should just talk to her grandpa and once she does that, she's like, oh... And she's like, he kept saying his feelings were real for me. He wasn't actually going to walk out on me, all this different stuff. So she realizes that she was kind of in the wrong. And like, I do like a conflict where both people are in the wrong and they realize that and they apologize. But I really don't think Levi was in the wrong here. Let me know what you thought if you read this book and you get to that conflict scene. Is he also in the wrong? Was his family right to be like, you weren't like rude about this. I don't know. I didn't really see him. Like, he probably could have been a bit more tactful, and he definitely could have said something at the end when he says, like, what do you want me to do? And she says, whatever you want. And he stands up, but he doesn't leave, and then she gets up and leaves. So, he probably could have said, like, something. But also, I get it. You're in the middle of the argument. What are you going to say? I don't know. So, that's what I want to say about that, because I have a few more longer, like, points I want to talk about. Next, while we're just on the line of the grandpa, let's talk about the grandpa because I didn't like him. Like, he, there were some issues. There were some issues, everybody. So, basically, I've talked about, like, how he, like, he was in so much grief when his wife died that he couldn't take care of her. And I just don't have sympathy for, and then if you listen to my, um, people we meet on vacation episode. Also, I'm sorry if you can hear some sirens in the background because I can hear it and I've heard it when I'm like editing sometimes after that. So, this is what I get for living sort of in the city. So, so sorry for all of you if you heard that. Anyways, oops. If you listen to my people we meet on vacation episode, I said some similar things about um, Alex? Alex, Poppy and Alex... I think his name was Alex. Anyways, I said some similar things about the male character's father in that book. But, like, I don't have sympathy for people whose significant other dies and then they can't take care of their children. And they, like, leave the, like, in People We Meet on Vacation, he leaves the oldest child to take care of all his brothers and basically raise them. And in this book, he, like, just lets his granddaughter go. And then, like, what really, like, I understand if, like, you're, like, really hurting Maybe she can spend a month or two with the aunt, but, like, he never, like, she leaves and she never hears from him again. Like, he must know which family member that she had been living with. There's not a card. There's not a phone call. There's never a visit. Like, absolutely nothing. That's what bothers me. And Levi's bothered by it, too. So, I mean, we love Levi, okay? He was great in this book. I really enjoyed him a lot. But what was I saying? Okay, no. So I just got annoyed because the grandpa did like nothing to find her and just knew. And so like, he's like, yeah, she was really passed around. We didn't do her. We didn't do right by her. You think you couldn't pick up the phone when you felt a little bit better and talk to your granddaughter? It just, that really bothered me. 
And like Jane forgives him super, super easily. And part of it is I understand that like she's finally has this family member back in her life that she's loved and missed and whatever. But it is interesting to also like be in Levi's perspective. And he like does not forgive the grandpa for like treating Jane this way right away. And neither do I. Because what the hell? Seriously? Like you just left your eight-year-old grandchild and then never like tried to reconnect with her like he basically was like I was guilty and embarrassed oh I'm sorry that you're guilty and embarrassed get over yourself you have this granddaughter out here alone in the world and you're just gonna like live in your guilt shame and embarrassment no that's a no from me wow I just got really really heated about all of that but I'm sorry, get over yourself and reconnect with your granddaughter and be the grandfather you need to be for her and be the family that she needs. It was like interesting because this book is called The Family You Make. So it's both about like, it's interesting because there's like really interesting conversations about like your blood family, talking about like how Jane's family left her, her reconnecting with her grandfather, then also talking about Levi's family because he's so close with his family But at the same time, he talks about how he's always felt like a black sheep. Nobody understands his like data mind. And instead, they're just like, why couldn't you just stay and work at the family store? Like things like that. But then you're also talking about like Charlotte and Jane being family and like choosing each other. And that's like a big part of the story as well. So it was a good title for the book. Unlike Love for Beginners, which is like a really dumb title, but made sense for the book, whatever. Also... Now, let's talk about the Charlotte and Mateo romance, and mostly I just want to talk about how I was not expecting it. I don't know what I thought, because in Love for Beginners, if you listen to that episode, I'm pretty sure I talked about how I was surprised that Allison had a third perspective, and it wasn't just from Emma and Simon's point of views. And in this book, it was the same thing. The first two chapters are just from Jane and Levi's point of views, and it's like, you think the whole story is only going to be about them, especially when you read the back of the book, that's what it makes it seem like, and then you get maybe 50 pages in, and Charlotte all of a sudden has a point of view, and it's interesting because you're introduced to Charlotte and Mateo through Jane's point of view at first, and she doesn't realize there's romantic feelings between the two of them yet, and so I was like, ugh, Charlotte and Mateo are going to be the next book because this is the first book like in her new series, but they're all standalones. You don't have to read them to connect. They're just like set in the same town, basically. So I thought that's what was going to happen there, that they were going to be the next book. And I was like, I don't care about Charlotte and Mateo, but no, I was forced to read about them in this book. And so I just want to say, Jill Chavez, if you're going to continue to like psych me out and there's a second romance plot, a second storyline of set of characters in your books, will you please tell me so in the back of the book? Because at least for Love for Beginners, it's like talked about multiple times about how Emma and Allison slash Allie like are frenemies, but they have to work together. And so like you understand Allison's going to be point of it, like part of the thing. And this book, Charlotte is mentioned absolutely nowhere. Neither is Mateo on the back of the book. Mateo does not have a point of view for reference, which again is similar to how that other Jill Chavez book went. And so I just need to not be tripped up. And if I read another Jill Chavez, which I think I probably will, like I just, I guess, have to expect that. What was interesting is that by the end of the, like the beginning, I did not care about Charlotte and Mateo. I did not want them to have like chapters. I did not care about them. By the end, I was happy they got together. 
And they don't have like a conflict in the sense of like a normal romance novel conflict of like miscommunication, a fight at the last 20 pages like Jane and Levi do. And you actually see Charlotte getting over some of her insecurities and fears and Mateo helping her work through them, which I really like. So I thought the development of their relationship was really good versus by the end, I was like getting really frustrated with Jane because everybody was telling her, we love you. We want you to stay. And she's like, I think I still have to leave. And I was like, girl, you're never going to get over your childhood trauma if you don't try and like love people and form these long lasting bonds and relationships with them. I don't have the same family or childhood trauma as Jane, so I can't really relate. But also I'm pretty sure Jill Chavez also doesn't have that trauma and she just like created it for this character, which good for her. I don't know that for a fact, just spitballing. And so could we have not like I liked Jane, but by the end of the book, I was like a little frustrated with her. I was like, get it together and just Levi has said it's real and he wants to date you. So just date this man. Okay. I would date that man. But overall, please stop bamboozling me and let me know there's going to be another couple or another perspective. But I ended up liking Charlotte and Mateo by the end of the book. So I wasn't that upset about it at the end. But at the beginning, I was like, what? I got fooled again? Okay, so I kind of touched on the Jane Charlotte hangups. That was like the hard part of the book is like the two women were really just like not about relationships. And I was like, girls, this be a romance. Let's do it. Let's get over yourselves. But what I want to touch on just very briefly is at the back of the book, there is a reading group guide and there is a list of nine questions. I'm not going to go through all of them, but there were a few that just made me like my answers to them kind of make me laugh and I want to share them with all of you. So the first question, this one isn't exactly funny, but it says, if you thought you only had a few minutes to live, what would you do during that time? Now, if my family's listening, so sorry that you're about to hear this, but if I was Jane and I was about to die and it was just me and Levi, I'm going to kiss that man, okay? I only got a few minutes to live, but realistically, I would probably do the same thing and call my family to say goodbye. I don't think I would make up a fake partner. Then um, uh, number four is really the one I wanted to share with all of you. It says, would you have agreed to help Levi if you were in Jane's position? Why or why not? Yes, I absolutely would. Who wants to fake date me? Okay, like fake dating is a like supreme, we love fake dating trope. Do I know anybody who's ever fake dated in real life? No, I do not. So I'm not really sure it's that realistic of a trope. But if somebody asked me to fake date them and they were nice and hot like Levi and they like saved my life, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to this anniversary dinner with his parents and lie to his family and pretend like I'm his doting girlfriend. Yes, let me go on pretend dates with you, okay? Seriously, I would love to be in a fake dating situation the angst, I mean, I would be upset because, you know, I developed these feelings. I'm like, oh, they don't feel this way for me. It's all fake. But then the reward, I don't think fake dating really happens like that in real life. But it's uh, if somebody asked me to help them out like that, I would absolutely say yes. So there's more questions, but they're like more like philosophical or just like, what is your definition of family? I don't have time or the desire to get into those. I really just wanted to share those first, those two ones that I did because I think it is hilarious. Um, also talking about fake dating, it was an unusual setup, which I really enjoyed because typically with fake dating, 
the reason they have to fake date is like at the beginning of the book so like i thought going into this that the anniversary dinner was going to be at the beginning because it's not explained in the summary so i thought it was going to be at the beginning and then the two of them were going to like i thought it was maybe going to be like a weekend or a week-long event that she went with him to based on how the summary is Anyway, so I thought they were going to be fake dating for like a long, intense period of time or the situations were going to require them to continue to fake date. But it's interesting because the fake dating experience is at the end of the book in this case. And so it was kind of cool to see the genre like trope be done in a different way. And I definitely enjoyed it. I also want to talk very briefly about the cover just because like I... I really like scrutinized it as I was reading it. The cover, like I said earlier, is beautiful. And there's something about like Jill Chavez has her covers. There's like the female main character and then there's always a dog. Even though the fem Jane in this book has this cat, but Levi's parents have a dog. So I'm assuming it's their dog on the front cover. Again, another reason to think that she's like going to visit them. But what's interesting, so you can tell it's Jane because the woman has red hair and Jane has red hair. But the coat is pink, and Charlotte's the one who has a pink coat that's described. Jane's coat's never described, but it's said multiple times that Charlotte has the bright pink parka. The other interesting thing is that the girl in this cover is clearly wearing, like, Ugg boots or off-brand Ugg boots. She's walking in the snow. Now, as a m former Midwestern girl who I never had Uggs, but I have off-brand Uggs, you don't walk in the snow in them. If I was walking around in the snow, she's like pulling this toboggan thing. Your girl's wearing her snow boots. She's not wearing her Uggs because you're not supposed to do that because they could get ruined. So that is just my funny cover synopsis. I will say, so the next Jill Chavez book is called The Friendship Pact. And there's like a little um, excerpt at the back of this book that I was like, I don't know about The Friendship Pact, but the cover is so cute. She's like on the stock. There's this dog. She's wearing a sun hat. Her feet are like kicking in the water. It's gorgeous. And then the um, synopsis is actually really interesting in a way that like the excerpt was like confusing because it's not the very first chapter. It's like probably the second or third. So I will say that's coming out in June. You may or may not hear a Friendship Pact episode around that time because Jill Chavez, um, her books are really enjoyable. I had a lot of fun with this one. I'm not sure if that necessarily came through because a lot of the discussion section was me like, was it me complaining? I, I don't know. Me being critical? I don't know. But guys, I did like this one to be very clear. This one was so cute. It was so light, so lovely. I had a great time with it. I'm so glad I picked it up and I would definitely recommend it to all of you, especially like this is, if you don't like a smutty romance, if you don't like the sex scenes, they're very non-descriptive or fade to black sort of in this book as well. So if that's something that you look for, then this is a good one for you. So with that, it is time for me to wrap it up because I'm at the end of my self-imposed episode deadline. Um, let me know what you thought of this book, this episode, and this podcast. You can do that in a couple ways. First, you could send me an email at iridbookonesblog at gmail.com. You could also DM me on Instagram. My handle is iridbookonesblog. And while you're there, give me a follow, give me some likes. Help me to uh, try and post on Instagram because y'all know I don't like taking pictures. I don't like using hashtags. So, 
it is a character building experience for me. But yeah, let me know what you thought of this um, book, podcast episode, whatever. Let me know if you think I should make these episodes longer, shorter, your opinions on the plot summary, if I should have them, if I should not. I don't know. Just let me know. Also, please, 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 if you're able to on your um, podcast app that you listen on, rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. I will love you forever if you do that. It will help other people find my show, and I would just really, really much appreciate it. Next week, there will not be an episode of I Read a Book Once. I know, so sad. I'm going on vacation, and so I'm just not going to be editing, recording, things like that, and so there won't be an episode next week. But when I get back, The next episode will be on Seven Days in June by Tia Williams. I've been so excited to read this book. I've wanted to read it for a really, really long time. And so that is what you all will get treated to when I come back. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Emma. This was I Read a Book Once, and I'll catch you guys next time.